All right. So our uh, message this morning is from Matthew chapter 13. We um, we're planning among among other things uh, our potential series to preach on through the the coming year and um one of them was going to be the sermon on the mount and that's where we're going to head in uh a couple weeks um but as we get there i wanted to give a, a couple um sermons from different parts of matthew to give us uh a bit of a picture about what it might look like to respond to jesus teaching um what it might look like to think about uh the kingdom um, that he is going to be explaining to us when we get to the Sermon on the Mount. So, Matthew 13, um, it's on page uh, 867, if you're using uh, one of the uh, black Bibles lying around. Um, it's, it's in the, the middle of, of Matthew's book, and at this point in, in Matthew's story, and Jesus has, has come, he's begun preaching, he's become, begun healing, he is um, inviting people into the kingdom of heaven. And his disciples are beginning to follow him, they have um, gathered around him. But then in these last few chapters, right before Matthew 13, there begins to be um, some people wondering about, is Jesus really who he says he is? Or we don't like the fact that Jesus seems to be saying he's a certain type of person. We have um, different responses to um, the disciples sharing in the call. We have John the Baptist doubting. We have um, the scribes and Pharisees beginning um, to be an antagonistic. Um, and in chapter 12, verse 14, it says the Pharisees went out and plotted against him how they might kill him. So Jesus is reaching a point now where while he has been healing, while he has been preaching the good news, while he has been calling people to follow him, to take part in the life of the kingdom, there are people that are not hearing there are people that are rejecting there are people that are responding positive and negatively and so matthew's readers um, jesus's disciples at this point in the story may be wondering what do we do with the fact that there are different responses to this king and his kingdom what do we do with the fact that people seem to see what's going on people seem to hear what jesus is teaching but they're responding in very different ways. How do we live in light of that fact? What are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to do anything? And so at the, the end of uh, chapter 12, Jesus is teaching in the house. And then at the beginning of chapter 13, it says on that day, Jesus went out of the house and is sitting by the sea. And large crowds gathered around him and he got in a boat and sat down while the whole crowd stood on the shore. So Jesus is doing some, some open-air teaching here at the sea, um, doing the opposite of our picture. Jesus is sitting down, and you guys would all be, I would be standing up with you, right? Um, that's how it was done in this culture. So he teaches them, 
he told them many things in parables. And so in this chapter, Matthew goes, and we're going to look at briefly um, seven or so different parables. And he begins with one that we're probably familiar with if we've been around um, following Jesus for a while. Consider the sower who went out to sow, and he sowed, and some seed fell along the path. The birds came and devoured them. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it didn't have much soil, and it grew up quickly since the soil wasn't deep. But when the sun came up, it was scorched. Since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it still. Other seed fell on good ground and produced fruit. Some a hundred, some sixty, some thirty times what was sown. Let anyone who has ears listen. Then the disciples came up and asked him, Why are you speaking to them in parables? This isn't what you normally do. This is different than how you've been teaching. Right? When we, when we go back to the Sermon on the Mount, we'll see that Jesus is straightforward about how you're supposed to live, what you're supposed to do. When he first began to preach, he was like, repent for the kingdom of heaven is here. And the disciples are like, okay, this seems a, a little bit different. What's going on? Why are you using parables now? They, they're confused and they, they want to know. And so Jesus is very kind and he gives them the answer. He says, because the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given for you to know, but it has not been given to them. For whoever has, more will be given to him, and he will have more than enough. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away. That is why I speak to them in parables. Because looking, they do not see, and hearing, they do not listen or understand. Isaiah's prophecy is fulfilled in them, which says, You will listen and listen, but never understand. You will look and look, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown callous, their ears are hard of hearing, they have shut their eyes, otherwise they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn back, and I would heal them. Blessed are your eyes because they do see and your ears because they do hear. For truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see the things you see, but didn't see them. To hear the things you hear, but didn't hear them. And then he goes on to explain the parable of the sower, that when anyone hears the word about the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in his heart. This is the one on the path, the one on the rocky ground, the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, but has no root, is short-lived. When distress or persecution comes because of the word, immediately falls away. The one sown among the thorns. This is the one who hears the word, but the worries of this age, the deceitfulness of wealth, choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. But the one sown on the good ground, this is the one who hears and understands the word, who does not produce, who does produce fruit and yields some a hundred, some sixty, some thirty times what was sown. And so, Jesus not only answers their question, but then he explains the parable to them. They're unsure of why he's teaching in this way. Maybe it's not fully making sense. And they come and they ask him. And even their asking and their response is evidence of what he begins to talk about there 
in verse 11, because the secrets of the kingdom have been given to you. Whoever has, more will be given, right? He's, he's taught his disciples, right? You don't have because you don't ask. Ask, seek, knock. It will be given to you. Seek first the kingdom of heaven and all these things will be added to you, right? And so the disciples are like, hey, we hear this thing about the kingdom of heaven and we want to understand more. We want to know why are you teaching about the kingdom of heaven in this way? What's going on? And Jesus says, I'm going to respond to that posture by giving you explanation, right? We, we know throughout all of scripture that God responds to the humble and the proud differently. And so here the disciples come and they're like, we don't understand exactly what you're doing. Can you, can you help us understand? And Jesus is like, of course, that's the posture that I respond to. But he says also, these ones that have had the opportunity to hear and reject then I'm also going to respond in a similar way to what they have done. And he says it's fulfilling the, pro- the prophecy of Isaiah. And, and how many of you have, have been in church or uh, a missions conference or whatever, and you've heard the sermon on uh, the first couple verses of Isaiah chapter 6, where God's like, who will go for us? And what does Isaiah say? Here am I. Send me. And we're like, yeah, that's me, right? Like, even, like, that's enough part of our culture that even uh, President Biden tried to use it um, this last week in talking about um, stuff going on with Afghanistan, like, out of context, right? Because enough people know this idea of, here I am, send me. But these are the verses that are right after, here I am, send me. God's like, okay, I'm going to send you, and here's what's going to happen, Isaiah, in your day, Nobody's going to listen to you. People are going to hear it, and they're not going to understand anything. People are going to see what you're talking about, but they're actually not going to see it all. Nobody's going to respond, and there's going to be a little stump in the ground, and that's going to survive. And like, so if, if we always preach that full message at the missions conference, right? Would as many people say, here I am? I don't know. That's just something to think about. But anyway, Jesus is saying that same that same. Um, response that Isaiah got when he called his generation to repent. That same um, heart, these people's heart has grown callous. That same um, heart response, that same posture is present in this generation as well. That it's always going to be present that there are going to be people that they have ears, they have eyes, they don't see, they don't understand but he said blessed are your eyes for they do see and they do hear because you've been seeing and hearing things that people have been longing to hear and so he goes into explaining this parable of the sower and the responses about the message to the kingdom what happens when the kingdom comes and we have this call to follow Jesus. We have this call to repent. Change what you're doing because the kingdom is here. There's a, a new way to live in response to that. And we have four responses. One, people who don't understand. Two, people who respond quickly, but then trouble or persecution because of the word makes, things, makes them fall away. 
We have those who the worries of life, the deceitfulness of wealth choke out the word. And then we have those who understand. And so we see that and we we see that, man, not like three out of the four soils. They aren't good. So what are we supposed to do about that? How should how should we respond? What should that make us do? And so he he presents this this other parable probably because the disciples were maybe wondering the same question. What do we do about these other, other soils? What do we do about these, this unfruitfulness? He presents this other parable, which he'll um, tie in some things with the, the final parable later on in the chapter. He says, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. While people were sleeping, his enemy came, sowed weeds among the wheat and left. When the plants sprouted and produced grain, then the weeds appeared. Also, the landowner's servants came to him and said, Master, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he told them. So, do you want us to go out and pull them up? The servants asked him. No, he said. When you pull up the weeds, you might also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At the harvest time, I'll tell the reapers... Gather the weeds first and tie them in bundles to burn them, but collect the wheat in my barn. He presents another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It's the smallest of all the seeds, but when grown, it's taller than the garden plants. It becomes a tree so that the birds of the sky come and nest in its branches. And he tells them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and mixed into 50 pounds of flour until all of it was leavened. And Jesus told the crowds all these things in parables. He did not tell them anything without a parable so that what was spoken through the prophet might be fulfilled. I will open my mouth in parables. I will declare things kept secret from the foundation of the world. It's from Psalm 78. So Jesus is using these parables to both reveal things to his disciples, those who have understanding, those who are asking questions, those who are interested in what's going on with the kingdom of heaven, and also to conceal things from those who have chosen not to understand. He's presented everything plainly, and now, through these parables... He is presenting them in a different light, where an opportunity for those who would seek would find, but those who have hardness of heart, he is not going to give them more opportunities to bring judgment upon themselves for rejecting the truth. So then the crowds left. Then he left the crowds, and they go back into the house. And the disciples still have this posture. What's going on? Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. And so this, this, is, this, this passage is great because twice Jesus does what I'm supposed to do. Explain what Jesus is talking about, right? So he says, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. For me, Jesus says. The field is the word and the good seed. These are the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is in the end of the age. And the harvesters are angels. Therefore, just as the weeds are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. 
the Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will gather from his kingdom all who cause sin and those guilty of lawlessness. They will throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in their father's kingdom. Let anyone who has ears listen. And he tells them two more parables. That the kingdom of heaven is like treasure buried in a field that a man found and reburied. Then in his joy, he goes and sells everything he has and buys that field. Then again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. When he, sold, when he found one priceless pearl, he went and sold everything he had and bought it. And then he tells another parable that is very similar to his interpretation of the wheat and the weeds. The kingdom of heaven is like a large net thrown into the sea. It collected every kind of fish, and when it was full, they dragged it ashore, sat down, gathered the good fish into containers, but threw out the worthless ones. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will go out, separate the evil from the righteous, and throw them into the blazing furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so Jesus brings his disciples back to the house for a smaller conversation and some more teaching, and begins by explaining the meaning of the wheat and the weeds. And maybe, like the disciples, we would be wondering, okay, so there are people that seem to be unfruitful. There are, um, there's even these weeds in this parables. We may be like the people in the parables wondering, okay, do we need to rush out and chop everything down and make sure we get rid of everything that might be wheat, weeds? We need to correct the right or the wrong or think we know who's who. And Jesus, as he explains the parables, he says, whose job is it to do that judging? Is it our job? Was it his disciples' job? No. We may, we may, right? we may be at a point where we think we know. We see the way somebody is walking or, or living and we think, Oh, well, yes for them or, or no for them. We, we might have an idea. Because Jesus does talk about the fact that we, we can know by their fruit, right? But at the same time, there is a patience here and there is a responsibility for us to not do Jesus' job. Jesus says it's, it's not our job let the kingdom take root and give people the opportunity. Because he says, in the, in the, right in the parable, the, the owner of the field, he says, you might uproot the wheat with them. You might go in there and haphazardly not know. Because what, what he's describing is this, this false wheat, this plant that's called darnel, and it looks exactly like wheat as it starts to grow. The only difference is it doesn't look the same at the end, and it, if you eat it, it's not good for you. And so it, it's not like, oh, one of the plants is green and one of the plants is yellow, so it's obvious. This is a situation where you're not really sure. And Jesus is saying, yes, there is a judgment. There is a real Um, separation 
at the end that we see both in this parable and in the parable of the net. But it is not our job to do that separation. It is our job to seek to be the good soil, the ones that are hearing and responding where we are, to encourage those around us to, we don't know, maybe, maybe somebody seems like a weed, but they're really weak. And we can be, right, not just, not just our generation, but all generations of Christians can be very quick to say, this, this person, for sure, there's no hope for them. Or, man, they believe this, so we, so we have people that were condemning people um, to death for different views about the Lord's Supper or baptism and the Reformation, just drowning people, burning people at the stake, because well, they're sure that this person needs to be judged. And Jesus says, that's not our job. There, there is, as you, as you look through... Right, the, the rest of the New Testament, the letters that Paul or Peter or John or whoever might write, where they say, hey, there seems to be um, some, some misunderstanding that you guys have in this area. Let me correct the teaching. But it's, it's not saying that we need to throw these, these people out. It's let's, let's understand what Jesus is really teaching us about and encourage us all to, to do that. If people don't want to follow that, they're, they're welcome to go. God will let them go where they want to go, but it's not our job to end their road. It's not our job to end the path. The, the path is broad that leads to destruction, right? But Jesus says, you don't need to go there chopping people down. Our, our posture is to be like God, who is patient, who is not willing that any should perish. So in, in some sense, while Jesus points out that it's true, not everybody is going to respond the way that you might hope, the way that I might hope, the way that Jesus might hope initially. That doesn't mean that we know exactly the end story for everyone. Right? When, when Jesus is talking further on in, in Matthew's gospel, right, in, in chapter 25 and the, the sheep and the goats, he says, you know, depart from me, this group, I never knew you. And they were like, we did all these things. We thought this was, we thought we knew what we were. Jesus says to this other group, man, the way that you um, did these things to the, the poor or the hungry or the needy, man, you did it to me. And they were like, we were just doing stuff. We didn't know. And, it, and so in some sense, right, we get ahead of ourselves when we pronounce or we think about final yes or no condemnation judgments about people because that is not what we're called to do. And so Jesus then kind of, as we, as we see these parables, they kind of tie in to the responses from the first parable, right? Because the, fir- the first soil... Right, it says, the one sown along the path, they hear the word of the kingdom and don't understand it, and it's snatched away. And all, all those verses before where Jesus is talking about why he used parables, 
from uh, 10 through, through 16, he's talking about the importance of hearing. And, and the disciples are, are modeling for us what it looks like to, to wrestle with and respond to Jesus' teaching. It's to ask questions. They're like, hey, what's the meaning of this parable? What's the purpose of you teaching in parables? What's going on here? Let me sit with this. Let me think about this. I want to understand Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. And so the, as, as we're considering, right, inst- instead of saying, all right, I need to be judging around here, Jesus' Jesus's teaching is causing us to look, what, what, how, am, how am I hearing? How am I responding? What's going on? In, in my soil. And, and so the first, the first response, the first correction to not, to hearing and not understanding is to, to take the posture that the disciples have in this passage and recognize that it's, it's not important that you understand everything right away. It's important that you ask for understanding, that you keep coming back to Jesus, that you wrestle with what Jesus is saying and stay around Jesus so that as things go on we get to the end and Jesus says in verse 51 after he explains these last three parables he says have you understood all these things and they answered him yes they go from the beginning of man we don't even know why you're teaching in parables this doesn't make sense this is all new and Jesus says all right here's why and here's some parables to help you understand what's going on with why some of these people that grew up in the same place that you did, that have the same kind of jobs, that have the same kind of families, that are in the same kind of situations, or maybe they're the people above you in the, in the social status like the Pharisees or some of the leaders. But whatever the case may be, here's why some people are responding differently. This, this will help you understand what is about to happen in the next phase of my ministry, in the next phase as we walk and talk and live together. And they say, okay, now, now we, we understand. And so then the second soil, the one on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. But he has no root and is short-lived. When distress or persecution comes because of the word, immediately he falls away. And so, right, Jesus paints this picture of a, a person who, right, in, in, in this context, Right? They, they heard the teaching of Jesus or they saw the healings or he was feeding people or forgiving people, whatever that might be. And they were like, wow, this is great. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come along. And Jesus says, you know what? There may be. Right. And he taught this from the beginning. Blessed are you if you're persecuted for the sake of righteousness, if you're persecuted for my name's sake. He said, this is, this is a reality that can happen when you choose the kingdom of heaven instead of whatever kingdom of this earth you might be chasing after. And so these people, they begin to follow. And it, and it seems like, man, this is going to be great. And then they realize that is putting them at odds with some person, people, system, whatever it might be, that brings persecution. 
And so Jesus shows in the parable of the wheat and the weeds and the parable of the net, there is, there, there's an actual final judgment. There is a separation that will bring weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so whatever, whatever you're afraid of in terms of distress or persecution that may cause you to be short-lived, there is much greater distress in rejecting the kingdom altogether. There is much greater distress than not seeking to be someone who is listening, understanding, and holding on to Jesus. And then for that third soil, the one sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word. The worries of this age and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Right? We, we look at the parable of the hidden treasure and the priceless pearl. Right? It's the man, he finds the treasure, his joy, he sells everything he has and buys the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. He found one priceless pearl. He went and sold everything he had and bought it. Right? That was the call of Jesus to all of his disciples. Hey, drop everything you got and follow me. And at different points, right, we, we see how people responded to that differently. He's like, hey, follow me. And they're like, okay, but I need to go bury this family member. Or I don't know that I can follow you because I got a lot of money. Or I don't know if I can follow you because um, I need to take care of this other issue first. These other things are, whatever they are, some kind of um, riches of this world, some kind of care of this world, worry of this age. And Jesus says, it's, right? It's like the, the horse betting saying, no one bet too, money, too much money on a winning horse. You know, I don't, I don't horse race, I just know the saying. Um, but, right, the, the idea is we all, we all have things, we, if we went back in time, right? And I said, you could know everything you know right now. And you went back, you know, 10, 15 years ago. What would you tell yourself? Among other things, you would be like, okay, so whatever's in my bank account, I'm putting in Bitcoin or Apple or this amount in the stock market, right? Because I know, like, even if there's like a bad year in there, I know it's going to go like 4,000% by the time I get to 2021. There's, it's... You don't have to worry about the in-between because you know you made the right choice. And Jesus is saying, the kingdom of heaven, it's not something where you're wondering, was this worth it? Ultimately, you don't have to be worried about the wealth of this age. Because if you seek first the kingdom of heaven, you're going to have all that you need. And 
the riches of this world can't compare. And so if you are in danger of having the worries of this age and the deceitfulness of wealth choke out the word, consider these parables. The treasure in the field, the pearl of great price. Consider that whatever it is that you or I may be wanting to hold on to is not worth it if it keeps us from the kingdom of heaven. And so finally, we, we have the fourth soil, the one that hears and understands and produces fruit. Hundred, sixty, thirty times what was sown. And as, as, we, as we think about how Jesus is teaching this and how there is a, a fruitfulness in those who hear and understand there is a separation of the wheat from the weeds, the bad fish from the, from the good fish at the end of the age, that they will be thrown into the fire, but the righteous will shine like the sun in their father's kingdom. Verse 43, let anyone who has ears listen. And even what we were talking about in Psalm 1, right, with the kids, how... How Jesus is not presenting some brand new way of relating to God. Some brand new way that nobody has ever fully, um, that nobody has ever considered before. But he's, he's fulfilling and um, filling out what it looks like to walk in the instruction of the Lord. He's showing what it looks like to be firmly planted by streams of water. He's showing what the difference is for those, those other soils that may be tempted through persecution or riches or hardness of heart, whatever that may be, to walk or sit or stand in the way of the wicked. He's saying it's possible to seek, ask, find, and then in your own life to see the kingdom grow. To go from seeds that potentially don't do anything, these, these one seeds that produce huge crops, and to think about when we, we might be discouraged in what we see, to think about the parables of the mustard seed and the leaven. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that was sowed in, a, in this field. It's the smallest of all seeds, but when grown, it's taller than the garden plants. It becomes a tree. So the birds of the sky come and nest in its branches. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and mixed into 50 pounds of flour until all of it was leavened. And so maybe we're going to see some responses or some responses that seem even sad to us 
But we don't have to be discouraged because though the kingdom may seem like it's starting small, like what it's doing, you, you can't even see, like the leaven is hidden in the flower, that it grows and overtakes the whole garden. It grows and overtakes all of the flower. That if we decide to pursue understanding of what Jesus is calling us to, if we decide to be those people who are in the right posture of asking and seeking to understand, to be fruitful people that are following Jesus, that that small beginning, whatever that faith may look like, that it may, like the disciples at the beginning of this passage, be very much, why are you teaching this way? Like, what is the deal with this parable? Like, you're just talking, like, sure, like, there are a lot of farmers here, but, like, what's the deal? Like, why? This doesn't make sense. Sure, like, we're, we're fishermen, but why, why are you talking in this parable about, about fishing? What's going on? You get to the end and, and be able to say, have you understood these things? What's going on? Yes. That it may start small. It may seem hidden. But the kingdom is what's at work. It's not you or I that's at work. And if we seek and we become those who are blessed, as Jesus says, blessed are your eyes because they see and hear, then that, that fruit that comes 100, 60, 30 times, whatever it is, that's the work of the kingdom of heaven at work in us. That's not that I followed the perfect steps to produce fruit, but that I let the kingdom take root in me. Right? Jesus said, man, you just got to have the faith of a mustard seed. Right? You like this, this mustard seed. Like, like, and he was always asking his disciples, man, you just got to have a little more faith. But also, the little faith that you do have, I can work with that. Right? And he works with that little bit of faith, that little bit of wanting to understand here in that passage and brings them to understanding. So for us, I would, in, I would encourage all of us to see Are we hearing, are we seeing as we look at these parables as, as Jesus would desire us to? Where do we see ourselves in the soils? What things may be keeping us from hearing and receiving and responding? How can... How can we contemplate the worth, the value, the power of the kingdom of heaven so that we can understand 
its goodness, its greatness, its worthiness, when we each day, each moment have to decide, am I going to walk in the way of Jesus or am I going to sit, stand, or be on some other way? And then as we look to those around us, let's not be people that rush to judgment, that rush into the fields to separate the weed from the weeds when we don't necessarily even know what we're looking for all the time. The most important thing is that people remain in the field so that they may be able to respond. That what we thought was a weed turns into wheat. Let's Let's not be the reason that somebody is removed from the field that is the son's responsibility to take care of. And I don't know, it, it, wouldn't, it, it would kind of be nice if Jesus said, all right, well, this is how you know weeds, this is how you know weeds, and now you don't have to worry about like how messy church membership could be or the fact that sometimes there are going to be people that say they're part of the kingdom of heaven and it turns out they aren't and what do we do with that and all of this. And Jesus says, ultimately, that is for me to take care of. Seek to be good soil for yourself. Recognize that there are all kinds of things that may be keeping people from responding correctly. And maybe those are those things that we can encourage each other to guard against. That persecution in, in this life, don't, don't fear those who can only do something to your body. Fear God, who can not only kill the body, but cast it into hell. Right? If we're worried about the wealth, remind ourselves that, man, why are we even worrying about the things of tomorrow? Jesus says that's not what we're supposed to do. But seek first the kingdom of heaven. That it's, it's actually something Jesus says that it's hard for those of us on whatever level we are who have riches or desire riches to get into the kingdom of heaven. And that we should be on the lookout for the ways that the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of wealth may cause us to seek things other than the kingdom. So Jesus says as a result, when they've said that they've understood, he says, therefore, every teacher of the law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like an owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom treasures new and old. And he says, now, what you, what you knew before, everything can, 
be so much more. It can take on new meaning and understanding and you're, you're able to just like I have shown you bring out treasures for people to consider. Bring out these things new and old for people to see from different vantage points what the kingdom is like. You're able to to put this together. Just as even Matthew in this passage says, Isaiah's prophecy is fulfilled through this teaching. And later in, in verse 35, this was all spoken so that what was spoken through the prophet might be fulfilled. Matthew is like, we understood, and, and then fully later on, we could even see to do this ourselves, to put these stories together and show this is the continuation of God's story from the beginning. And how the, the old stories are part of this new, and it's all fitting together. And so as we, as we sit with Jesus and learn from Jesus we will be able to be those who are able to be trusted to work alongside him in the fields. Let's pray. God, we thank you um, for those teachings of yours that are clear and those teachings of yours that cause us to pause and consider in a slower manner. Jesus, we thank you even for your kindness and gentleness and care in explaining your teaching even in this passage to your disciples. God, we pray that you would help us to be people that ask you questions, that aren't afraid to bring our questions to the surface, to bring our questions and speak them aloud. God, that, that we bring them in a posture of wanting to know, of seeking to understand, of seeking to be good soil for your kingdom to take root in us. God, we, we pray that you would make us people that are able to discern those things you have called us to, those things that you do not want us to do but that at the same time God we would have patience that we would have grace to not rush into the lives of other people with condemnation but with care God help us to to know and understand that 
where we are, we may not be able to know or see everything that's going on. And so to live and walk and act and talk with those around us who are at whatever level they are at, whatever is going on in their soil, God help us to approach them with love and care and respect. God, it is so easy for us to make quick judgments based on a conversation, a single action, whatever it may be. God, would you remove that temptation and posture from us, God, that we would be those that are, that are seeking to till our own soil and to help those around us as well. And we pray that you would be with us, that you would guide us, and that it would be you working in us, your kingdom growing in us when we can't even see what's going on, like the leaven, God, that would cause the growth of the people here and who are not here this morning, God, that the growth would be stuff that we can't explain because it's only you. And we pray this in your name. Amen.